This is Tom Bernard. Can't get enough of sports talk with Phil Mackey and Judd Zolgad? Tune in to the new Tom Bernard Show podcast Monday through Friday as Phil and Judd join me to discuss the latest sports headlines and whatever else comes to mind. Just download the Tom Bernard Show app wherever you get your podcasts or visit TomBernardShow.com. It's another way to get more from me and Judd talking sports and having fun with Tom, and it's all at your fingertips. Download the Tom Bernard Show app now and join the conversation. Get in the know. And welcome into Purple Access, which uh, this week is Judd, Declan, as always, and rotating on a bi-weekly basis, Chip Scott of the Star Tribune, and the man who joins us now, Tyler Fornis of Vikings Wire, where you can also find my columns, uh, really for the most comprehensive Vikings coverage that you can find in written form, though, Vikings Wire is the place to go, Forno does a absolutely fantastic job. Um, the schedule is going to be released this evening, so we are going to hold off in, in talking about it until we actually see it. And so, Tyler, I figured that this would, would be a good time. The Vikings start their rookie mini camp on Friday. And, you know, I feel like we have, to a certain degree, and it's not surprising, we have already passed judgment on the 2022 draft class. Not being that good, a lot of disappointments, blah, 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 which is uh, which is patently unfair. We don't know yet. Like, these guys yeah. had a year. Some guys got hurt, i.e. a guy like Lewis Seen. So I want to go back to that draft class, and I want to talk about this in context of the upcoming season, Tyler, and uh, discuss what we should expect here because the reality is this. A lot of guys don't start to contribute probably until year two, sometimes three. And you're a guy that pours through drafts. You study prospects. Um, and yes, the bang for, for your buck, I think, in particular, is probably draft night and then as those players go into their first year. But mm. that's not the most fair way to do this. So let's talk about that 2022 Quasi Dofa Mensa's first draft class in particular. What are your expectations there? Uh, starting with Scene, who, who, you know, I think it played one defensive snap, was playing a lot of special teams, unfortunately got hurt in London in week three but as we start to go through this draft class now entering their second season in the league starting with scene what's your expectation of what this class can potentially do in their second year I think when you look at scene the immediate thing that I I look at is he's going to be utilized like Javon Holland was in Miami and he's going to kind of be a jack-of-all-trades player he can play deep you can put him in the slot you can kind of do a little bit of everything with him, and he's a guided missile. He is incredibly quick, explosive. He's got a quick trigger when he reads and reacts to plays happening in front of him. When you kind of combine all those things, it's a great weapon for Brian Flores to utilize, and you can move him in a variety of spots. You can move Harrison Smith in a variety of spots, and you know, one of the things we were frustrated with last year is he was just always in a deep half or a deep yeah. quarter. That's not a good way to use Harrison Smith's skill set. And I think Cena and Smith are going to be utilized in a really interesting fashion this season. And then you have Jay Ward. He can do all those different things, too. I don't think he's quite as good as Lewis Seen. And you shouldn't expect him to be for a fourth-round pick. But just the ability to play multiple positions and styles, I think, is going to be really valuable for this Brian Flores unit. Mm-hmm. And with Seen, I would expect explosive plays. I would expect mistakes. Um, like Even though he's in his second year, 
one defensive snap and what, like 15 on special teams. That's not necessarily conducive to growth. We'll see how he adjusts, but just being around the game is going to make a difference. I I would expect him to, um, in theory, play pretty well this year, and he's going to be put in positions to succeed, something this defense was not last year. Uh, Tyler, going back, I probably you did this a lot this time last year because we were coming off eve of the or coming off the conclusion of the 2022 draft a year ago. This time, what about his game at Georgia was 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 exemplary, like, stood out, and was was really noteworthy? Because obviously he was a first round pick, and he was he jumped off in the RAS scores. But at Georgia, what what did he do to you that really stood out? That, that maybe saw this guy can also this skill set can translate to the NFL level. Speed quickness, the read and react ability. So kind of when we talk read and react, you see it happening in front of you and you react really quickly. It's kind of like when you watch a drag race and you see like the lights coming down, the second green hits, how quickly can you smash that accelerator? And that's kind of what scene is really good at. He sees what's happening in front of him quickly and he's able to explode forward. One of the plays that really stood out to me, I think it was against South Carolina in 2021. He's in like, like a deep half. So he's playing like cover two shell. And he's just watching what's happening in front of him. He sees a bubble screen and he explodes forward and gets the tackle like right at the line of scrimmage. That's the kind of thing that scenes is going to be really good at seeing what's happening in front of him, using his football intelligence and pairing that with his athleticism to go attack the ball carrier. And I think that he's going to be able to utilize that in coverage as well. He can get kind of baited a little bit with uh, like the quarterback's eyes. Cause that's what safeties do. They watch the quarterback's eyes to see, okay, which side do I need to go on? Because if you get uh, a couple steps as a head start, that can make all the difference in being able to uh, attack the football and prevent a completion. So I think you can take advantage from a little bit there, but I do think his ability to see what's happening in front of him and respond in, in kind is going to be his biggest asset for him uh, as he begins the real like beginning of his NFL career. Assuming that the leg is fine now, and it sounds like from all accounts of what, what we've been told, he is uh, he is going to be able to start uh, camp and be fine. Uh, what should the expectation be that on opening day, he is starting alongside Smith, replacing Bynum, who, keep in mind, was given that job out of the offseason camps, Tyler. So, like, there was no training camp co- competition. Um, I think they were a little bit, if, I, if I'm right, and it's a total guess on my part, I think they were a little bit disappointed that Scene didn't pick up on things last year faster. But assuming that he is healthy, set to go, and has a and has a good working knowledge of what Brian Flores wants defensively, how much of a surprise or disappointment will it be if he is not your opening day starter? No offense to Bynum, but Cam was certainly not a first round pick, and he is a converted corner who can still play. But I don't know that he is a starter if Scene. Uh, gets to where he needs to be. I'll be honest. I'm not going to focus on who's starting because this defense, there's going to be a lot of rotation with guys in and out, especially with like your fringe starters. So I would consider seeing and buy them kind of fringe starters right now. They're going to be utilized to maximize different uh, looks, different packages, different plays. And I, I think what you want to see is seen getting at least 40 to 50% of the snaps. I think that's what you should focus on rather than starting because with how Brian Flores, I believe is going to implement this defense. That's going to be arbitrary. How much is seen going to play? I think that's going to be the real key. I, I would expect seen to play 40, 50% of the snaps at least 
especially with uh, how versatile he is and how you can kind of utilize him. If he's not doing that right away and it's not injury related, I I'm going to start to be concerned about how quickly is he picking up on some of this stuff? Like you mentioned, he was when he came into the league last year. Porno, do you think, uh, yeah, do you think Andrew Booth has a better chance of probably even seeing the field more just given with how limited that cornerback room is? And you know, it's, it, they're counting on Byron Murphy to be a, a big guy for them, but in general, that cornerback room is very, very thin. You know, you talk about snap count and 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 whatnot, and not necessarily starting. I feel like Andrew Booth might even have a leg up because that position group is just so thin that they're going to have to rely on Andrew Booth to hopefully, if he stays healthy, to basically be one of their every down cornerbacks. I'm incredibly high in Andrew Booth, but you kind of said it right there. He has to be healthy, and even though he played a lot in college, he was never truly healthy. And if because they did the long-term meniscus injury, the same way that they did it with Irv Smith Jr., they want to make sure that he's good for the long-term and not just doing a quick little scrape. They did the same thing with uh, Adrian Peterson back in 2016. Make sure he's 100% good. So if that clears out, he doesn't have the uh, sports hernia injury, he's going to be asked to do a lot of what I think was going to make him successful. I didn't think the Vic Fangio system was really built for Andrew Booth Jr., I think this is playing one-on-one, getting in guys' faces, being able to match up with them in coverage. I think this is how you kind of take advantage of his skill set. And I think that he could be a star for this football team. I still think he was an absolute steal last year. I would have been comfortable taking him top 15 if all the medical stuff cleared out. But because he wasn't testing, he didn't have any athletic testing. There were so many variables. It's like, Like when we talk about analytics, analytics is just a big math problem. How many variables can you completely eliminate so you can get a better sense of what the answer is to whatever problem you're asking? And here it's, can Andrew Booth be successful? Well, because you don't have these testing metrics, you don't have a clean bill of health. There's a lot of murkiness surrounding that answer. Mm -hmm. But if you give him a clean bill of health and his explosiveness is on, on tape, so you at least have that as kind of a quasi answer you pair those two things together i love his potential we'll see if they can extract it from him because he's got to stay on the field i firmly believe in him and last year last year was going to be kind of a learning year anyways for booth i think we place a little too much expectations myself included on expecting him to contribute right away but i i am i'm still sky high uh for the ceiling of andrew booth jr i think if he could easily be a Pro Bowl corner within three to five years. Wow. So rank these three then. Um, Booth, who was a second-round pick, Tyler. Mm-hmm. Evans, who was what? A fourth-round pick. Mm-hmm. And Makai Blackman, who was taken in th- this year's draft. If you were to do a ranking of those three right now going into um, the the OTAs and minicamp, how would you rank those three if they are all healthy and equal? Based on where they're at currently in their development, I would rank them at Caleb Evans, Andrew Booth Jr., and Makai Blackman. Based on how I would project them, it would be Andrew Booth Jr., a Caleb Evans, Makai Blackman. I am. I think Makai Blackman has talent, and I think that there is a lot to work with. Mm-hmm. I'm just not as high on him as, for his ceiling purposes as I am with the Caleb Evans because Evans has the length. He has the ability to um, move, stay in phase, attack the football. Blackman is to me is just a little too inconsistent and does not quite have the size 
I mean, he, he weighs what 175 pounds. Like Caleb yeah. Evans is a solid six two two oh five. Like he is a well built corner at, from a physical standing, and I, I just believe he has a bigger ceiling. But Blackman plays with that feistiness, and guys like Flores understand how to use undersized corner. Um, we were talking about potentially Jonathan Jones from the New England Patriots this offseason before he got resigned. He's an undersized corner too. He's like 510, 180. So it's kind of a similar frame. They understand how to utilize these guys and they're feisty and they understand, hey, I'm not going to necessarily be the most physically imposing guy, but I can at least punch you in the face and see how you respond and kind of act that way. Blackman's got a future, but I, I still like the 2022 guys better. Uh. Tyler, a little off kilter here, but do you would you be shocked if the Vi- if the Vikings actually end up you know maybe adding another veteran cornerback? Uh, I know uh, Arthur uh, Mollett from uh, the Steelers got cut yesterday. You know, would you be surprised given with how much youth and just inexperience is in that room that they might even add a veteran cornerback as we you know get closer into the OTAs and and training camp, just so there's a legit camp body in there or another guy who's just more reliable than a bunch of rookies or first second year players who just haven't played a lot of NFL snaps? That's a really good question. I think it's going to um, be determined based on the status of Dalvin Cook and Zadarius Smith entering training camp. What's going to happen with those two individuals? We genuinely don't know. Like, let's say they end up trading Zadarius Smith and Dalvin Cook. They get like their $20 million in cap space. But then they use, let's say, $10 million of it to get Daniil Hunter on, on an extension. Right. Then you have $10 million to play with. Well, you still have to finish signing a draft class. So let's say you have $5 million left from that. Well, is that going to be worth like one year of, say, Marcus Peters? Or do you just want to be like, hey, we're still trying to compete right now, but we understand that 2024 and 2025 is probably a little more important. Let's trust our defensive coordinator to develop these guys. We have ESPN Mike Clay's number one edge room in all, the entire NFL right now. So let's get the pressure on the quarterback alleviate the pressure off of the cornerbacks right. and let them grow and develop on the fly. So in 2024 and 2025, we're even more prepared to make that run. I, I, I understand kind of the thought process here, Dex. It's you want to have great guys in the room, but at the end of the day, you have to trust your team to develop. You have to trust that your medical team is going to be able to keep these guys on the field. And you can't always have great players in every, every position. I think that they're going to, Trust that these guys can take a step. They brought in Byron Murphy to be that alpha in the room. And let's, I think at this point, you probably just let it ride, especially with two new assets that they added this year in the NFL draft. And there's nothing worse, too, than than a declining corner signed late. <laughs> I give you Bashad Breland. Oh, Bashad Breland's got a lot of experience. He's going to come in. He's a declining corner. Judge, okay? remember Chris Dishman? No, I know. We've been through mm-hmm. this. I've seen this. I've <laughs> seen this before. I don't need to yep. see it again. It's one thing to go out in March and sign Antoine Winfield, which was awesome. Like that guy was great. Uh, it's another to desperately like glum on to, to a guy, Dishman, Breland. Um, just because they've played a lot does not, not mean that they're not in a free fall and a complete mm-hmm. decline. So let's talk about this, though. So the cornerback thing is interesting, and here's why. I am becoming more and more convinced that there's a very good chance that Byron Murphy Jr., when they don't, when they start the game, is going to start outside. Um, but when they go to nickel, I think he shifts inside. So, like, I don't think that they're going to have a, a dedicated inside guy. I think that Murphy will be that guy when they're in nickel, which they are, what, Tyler, about 52% of the time now? It's quite a bit. 
Yeah, um, Nickel is basically a starter at this point. I mean, Janet exactly. Sullivan played like, what, 70% of snaps last year? Yep, but I think there's a, a good chance that when they have two cornerbacks that Murphy will go outside. So they're going to put their premium on trying to develop one other potential starter and then start to go through, like we just did, the list of guys that you potentially trust. And and like Booth, I think you're right. I think Booth is a guy that they see as 100% having starting ability. But the question is, like Declan said, can he stay on the field, which has become a major concern. But yeah, I don't think that, I think defensively you are correct. I think we're going to see a lot of different rotations, a lot of different ideas. And I'm not going to be absolutely completely shocked if Bynum is given a chance to not only play safety, but play some corner as well where he played in college. So I think that there's a lot, I think there's a lot of different ideas and it's, and the one thing that they are doing with that secondary, I don't think Spielman did a ton and Quasi O'Connell and, and Flores are, is they are putting themselves in a position to have guys that can play multiple spots, which they haven't before. But I think you are going, I don't think that you can be completely surprised if you see a few guys who have the rotational ability in game, potentially, if there's injuries or something, uh, uh, Tyler, to switch from corner to safety or vice versa. I think you may end up seeing a lot of three safety packages this year. And you have Lewis okay. who can play in the slot. Cam Bynum was an outside corner at Cal, but because yep. of his athletic testing, they're like, okay, it's probably best to move to safety. But you could line him up on the outside and feel semi-comfortable with it. I don't know if you're going to absolutely love it, but you could utilize these guys in so many different fashions. Harrison Smith can cover down the field as well if needed. So mm-hmm. that versatility element and being able to kind of move guys around and have fun with it. Makai Blackman's got inside-outside versatility. So does Jay Ward. Andrew Booth Jr., I feel like you could slide him inside. A Caleb Evans, I wouldn't want to, unless it's like against a power slot. Like that, think of what Anthony Fitzgerald was at the back end of his career. That kind of guy. I I think a Caleb Evans could do that, but against a super shifty player like a Hunter Renfro, yeah, I I wouldn't want him in that position because I think he'd be able to be take advantage of. But that versatility, Judd, is you mentioned it. It's going to be huge. Blackman, in, Blackman inside? has inside versatility. That's what I thought. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean he's five eleven, one seventy five. He has the quickness. He has, uh, he has the ability to mirror and match. But the versatility element, keeping teams guessing, not really being committing hard to one specific thing, I think yep. it's going to be really massive for this Vikings defense and creating problems early and often. We'll see if it uh, keeps sustaining throughout the year as they get more tape on what this defense, this inclination of the Brian Flores defense is going to be. But early and often, I could see them causing teams some real issues. Eating better is easy with Factors delicious, ready-to-eat meals, always fresh, chef-crafted, dietitian approved and ready to go in just two minutes. From pancakes to smoothies to meals and more, discover a wide variety of easy options for the entire day, like breakfast, midday bites, and more. And if you're always on the go and eating a quick and easy way to find something to eat, you need to try Factor Meals. They have an easy-to-use website. Factor is also flexible. Change up your order every week with plans from 6 to 18 meals per week or pause or reschedule your delivery at any time. You can sign up and save, and we've done the math. Factor is less expensive than takeout, and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. Head to factormeals.com slash purpledaily50 and use code 
Purple Daily 50 to get 50% off. That's code Purple Daily 50 at factormeals.com slash Purple Daily 50 to get 50% off. Go check out Factor Meals. Last thing on the defense for me, Tyler, I saw Mike Clay had his defensive or uh, his edge ranking uh, for all 32 teams. He had the Vikings number one, but obviously there's some asterisks next to not just Darius Smith, but even Daniel Hunter just on contracts and just overall happiness. But, you know, when you add Marcus Davenport to the mix, which was to his point, it kind of makes you deeper on top of DJ Wanham, Patrick Jones. Uh, obviously, Davenport is is one of the more kind of 1A talkers in terms of their offseason additions. But in Wanham or Jones, um, do, is there a next level to those two guys? Like if you if they indeed lose Zadarius Smith, does DJ Wanham or a Patrick Jones kind of step in and make more of an impact than maybe we've seen in their first few seasons with the Vikings? I'll, I'm here's a some reckless speculation for you. I don't think DJ Wanna makes the team. Um, oh, I like it. So I, I do think Patrick Jones has another element to him. Yeah, I agree. Uh, so here's the thing with Wanna: his cap hit is I think like 2.9 million, and if you cut him, you save like 2.6, which is a similar way what they did with Armand Watts last year. So when you replace him with like let's say Andre Carter makes the team and you cut DJ Wanna, you save like one point like. Eight million dollars in cap space, like for a guy who's as replaceable as DJ Wanham, that is that's valuable money. And I'm not saying Andre Carter's better than DJ Wanham; he's not. And it's it's pretty evident based on everything that we've seen on film. But when you talk about dollars and cents, I think that's something that m- makes sense. And then Luigi Villain can step in and have a bigger role on this team. I think Patrick Jones, uh, Luke Braun, host Lockdown Vikings. When we I was talking to him about Jones when he got drafted, I didn't like Jones. I I was very down on him, but then he kind of put things into perspective. He's a dude that can do like, have like four pass mushrooms, but they're all at like 30% effectiveness. So if you can like slowly work and build those up and build those up and build those up, you may have a player that can be a starter for your team. And I think now that we're in year three, he has a year as a stand-up guy. He did a little bit of that at Pitt, but he was more hand in the dirt. I think Jones could step in and play more for this team and be successful. Plus you have guys like Davenport, Smith, and Hunter who can shift inside and just be wrecking balls on the interior. So maybe Jones is more of a, an outside rusher in some of those packages. Um, yeah, I think that you could see some stuff from Patrick Jones, maybe even Valane, who's got some ability. His relative athletic score was like 88th percentile, but we'll see. Um, I Like I said, DJ Wanham, I don't think he's making the team. Jones looks the part too. Like he just looks like he should, he should be, be good. Um, I, I know I was told that during the first OTAs, I think he was drafted in Zimmer and Spielman's last year, right? Yep. Um, that he impressed them a lot. So, like, there's definitely something there. Uh, it feels like it, it hasn't been unlocked. It also feels like it's it's getting time where it's either going to be unlocked in 2023 or it's probably not. Uh, but I, I want to get back to the secondary for a second and talk some X's and O's because you broached this, and I agree with you completely, okay? What about this? talking about three safety packages. And I thought Donatel with a Fangio system was going to do this, and he came nowhere close. So I might be totally wrong. Again, Flores feels far more creative to me, though. Um, what about a big dime package with this? Asamoah stays on. Hicks comes off. Because Hicks is not going to be – like, Hicks is more of your traditional guy a little bit, and he's, and he's uh, a little bit long mm-hmm. in the tooth as well, Tyler. But then you have you have seen out there, you have Smith out there, and perhaps Bynum as well. 
And let's say Senior Smith can almost play a hybrid safety linebacker role. What, what do you think about that? Because that would give you speed that you clearly lacked uh, at times, or I should say at a lot of times this past season. I think Harrison Smith is probably in that role instead of Seen. But kind of the direction in which you're going, I think they're going to utilize a lot. This linebacker room is booty. Um, it, it, we still have question marks if Brian Asamoa can be a successful starter in this league. It's not a guarantee. But we're penciling him in. He's going to be a starter. But will he be good? He showed flashes, but he showed flashes of like, I don't know what I'm doing. So what What are we going to get moving forward? How much he is needs he to going play. to grow and develop? Yeah, 100%. I think he does need to he play. He needs to play. But that's still a question mark. That's still... In this math problem of, of a Viking Super Bowl champion, that's a big variable, and we have to be able to answer that. I think you put a guy like Harrison Smith next to him uh, and really try to maximize, hey, you are going to take care of just follow the ball and shoot. I'm going to clean up after you. I think that with Smith's intelligence and knowledge of the game, I think can really be help maximize that aggressiveness because you don't want to take that away from Osmo. It's what makes him special. Right. But you have to be able to hone it in and be smart about it and lock it in. Because if, if you don't lock it in, you're going to get Alex Petrangelo slashing Leon Dreisaitl on the wrist last night. That's not locked in. <laughs> I thought you guys would appreciate that That's one. That's stupid. That deserves Very, a suspension. Yeah, it does, does deserve a suspension. But it's, it's for lack of a better term, like you said, Judd, it's stupid. You have to be smart with how aggressive you are. And it has to be calculated and thought out. Yep. But when you read and react, sometimes you can't necessarily do that. So you have to be able to have good vision. You have to be able to see what's happening and and know that, like, a play action is coming or uh, a pump fake to one side. You have to be able to be a film grinder and have those aspects. But the big the big dime, I think, is going to be a really interesting package, especially because the Vikings have depth at safety. And Josh Metellus isn't a scrub either. So you could put him as kind of like that linebacker as well. Yeah. You could do four safeties with Bynum, Scene, Smith, and Metellus. Ooh. And you, you could feel pretty good about that considering how diverse those safeties are and their responsibilities and what they're able to do. Like, this is going to be an interesting defense, and I, I'm i just excited to watch it. Uh, on the offensive side, Tyler, if Dalvin Cook is uh, indeed out of here, does Wang Lu get more reps as kind of the backup behind Alex Madison? I know they drafted McBride as well. Obviously, that creates a void. Who becomes kind of RB2 behind Alex Madison if Dalvin Cook's indeed off this roster? Ty Chandler, too. I really don't think Juan was going to get many snaps on offense. And I don't think we've seen anything to warrant. He's tremendous in the field with the ball in his hands. He's obviously has those three kick return touchdowns. I worry he's not going to make the roster, and I think that's a little hot takey. But they brought in multiple really good kick returners. Malik Knowles. The three kick return touchdowns at Kansas State. Brandon Powell had that punt return touchdown against the Vikings. He's got kick return ability as well. Did so for the Florida Gators. But Wangwu has not shown any ability to be on offense. He hasn't shown the ability to, hey, I, I can utilize my vision and hit the, hit the right hole. I can get the ball on a swing pass. I can pass protect. He hasn't really shown anything to be a really good running back yet. And I think that's a worry. I think Ty Chandler's pro- and Dwayne McBride are probably going to get a lot more carries than you think. I am very down on Madison. I think he's just an average dude with really. But they're no, not. I, yeah, I I don't think he's got a ceiling. I really don't. I they disagree was, with you. Yeah, I know they do, and so, I'm I'm excited to see who's right and who's wrong. But I 
I just don't think that Madison is any more than just an average running back. And I think McBride as a runner is already better than Alexander Madison. Now it's about the full package. Madison's really good on third down, great pass protector, but so is Ty Chandler. That was something he excelled at at North Carolina during his senior year. And he's got that 97th percentile 10 yard split, really explosive, the 4-3-8 speed. He's got the ability to hit the home run. He can catch the ball out of the backfield. If I had to place a bet on who I think was going to be the starter by the end of the year, it's Ty Chandler. Uh, I just, I don't think Madison is that guy. That he is a really good number two who can step in and play a couple good games while your starter is hurt, like he did for Dalvin. He's not a starter, uh, but he doesn't do anything bad, and I think that's why the Vikings resigned him. Yeah, and and I also think too that that the difference is with what O'Connell wants to do or is striving to do play calling wise as well, it's a fundamental shift. So like, I, I think sometimes we get too hung up on specific players when it's the positional flexibility. Um, the Vikings are creating a very interesting, in my opinion, um, amount of options and why I don't think your Wang Wu take is hot. I think it's spot on is this. Can a Wang Wu at the end of the day, I don't think that Kevin O'Connell and Kwesi are going to take a 53-man roster spot and give it to a guy who returns kickoffs when you almost never return kickoffs. So I think you're spot on there. And look at what they're, they're doing on both sides of the football. They are trying to get guys that can play multiple spots, safety mm-hmm. and corner. The receivers now. A- Addison is not, you know, it's not just like he is one spot. He can play inside. He can play outside. They are putting a premium, and this is very smart, on, on the fact that, I believe the game day roster is 46 active, right? Mm -hmm. They're putting a premium on flexibility there, which I think is smart, but I think that lends credence to your point that Wang Wu becomes a long shot almost to make the roster. Because if your only role is I can return kickoffs well in 2023, I don't think you're going to make it. I just don't. Mm -mm, Not great. Not great. Uh, The last one for me is this one. Ed Ingram. So he started, obviously, every game in 2022. Third round pick. I would say the season was, to be very, very kind, rocky. Um, From what you saw of him in college on film, and then probably more importantly, Tyler Fornes, watching him on a weekly basis, when I say, ooh, that wasn't good. How much faith do you have that the dedication to starting him game after game after game is going to pay off and him becoming a far better right guard in his second season? Oh, it was phenomenal. Um, giving, not taking him out and letting him work through the kinks was the best decision Kevin O'Connell made last year. And will it pay off? I don't know, but I'll tell you, I'm a lot more confident in Ed Ingram growing in year two now than I would have been if they would have just removed him because he wasn't playing well. And you saw flashes of him playing really, really well. But he has this tendency to overset and overcommit to one side, and then he gets taken advantage of on the inside. And I I think that can be corrected. I also think that that kind of stuff really makes a difference when you see reps. And you saw a lot of reps against a lot of different types of players. He had the sixth most snaps among all interior offensive linemen last year. All of them. Yeah, like 1,207. That's a lot for a rookie. It's also incredible for a rookie because he got to experience a lot of different things. I'm not so worried about the fact that he gave up so many pressures and sacks as a rookie. You kind of expect that. 
what I want to see is I want to see growth. I want to see him come back this year. Hey, I had a full year. I made a lot of mistakes. Let's break down every single snap I took this year. Let's learn from it. Let's be better for it. Let's play smarter football. And when you have a an improved Garrett Bradbury, who let's just be honest here, he had his best season in 2022. Some of that was O'Connell. Some of that was Bradbury. But you have Bradbury and then Brian O'Neill on your other side. You can feel more comfortable making those mistakes because they can help you. Now, Ed Ingram's going to enter the season knowing he is the right guard. They believe in him. They've showed they believe in him by letting him work through his mistakes. And I think that he's going to end up being a lot better for it and potentially a really good starting guard in the National Football League. Dex, got one more? Uh, no, I'm, I'm all good over here, man. All right, okay, man. Great stuff. And and as always, tell the folks what they can find. The best one-stop shopping for written Vikings content in town at Vikings Wire. Tell us what the folks can find right now, Tyler. Absolutely. Vikingswire.usatoday.com. We have a lot coming up for the schedule release. You can see a written version of what Judd did on Tuesday on Purple Daily talking about his mock schedule. That is up. We also have breakdowns of, hey, who are the all the hardest schedule or teams on the schedule? Who are the most likely primetime games leading up? We know the Packers, um, and Week 17 is going to be a primetime game thanks to Matt Schneidman of The Athletic. Uh, we're also going to have a lot of 2024 previews for NFL Draft Scouting Reports. Nobody's going to cover the NFL Draft like Purple Daily and Vikings Wire this year, so you are not going to want to miss out. And it gives you a semblance of what to expect this college year. Plus, we're going to have player profiles from every single Vikings player on the roster leading up to training camp and a whole lot more. Nobody's going to cover the Minnesota Vikings from a written perspective as diverse and comprehensive as the Minnesota Vikings. Absolutely. Thank you, sir. And we will talk to you in two weeks. Thanks, Dex.